Alrighty, what's going on guys? This is Keenan Alama over at Lateral Limits, your friendly neighborhood SOT. And once again, SOT does stand for Special Occupational Tax. It does not stand for Self-Ordained Therapist, which I suppose it could, as my friend Justin liked to say. So uh, this is like season two episode, I want to say we're on three, three or four on season two, which the second season of our podcast is geared more towards, you know, uh, the sort of veteran mindset as well as I want this season to be more mostly focused on the firearms industry. I got a few guys lined up. Uh, I got my buddy David who owns another SOT out in Rockwall. He's lined up. My buddy Chase Glenn, with, uh, he's actually the Louisiana rep for Silencer Co. Uh, I got him on the horn, uh, so we'll get him We'll probably get him on the horn uh, in the next few months, as well as a couple other a couple of the dudes in the industry. Got an army recruiter, so we got a, a pretty nice little gauntlet that we're going to run. So, um, so before we get into this episode's podcast, one thing I did sort of want to make an announcement because this podcast will probably uh, we'll probably put it live uh, either very late tonight after I do some editing or tomorrow. So it's currently uh, November 9th. On November 10th, it is the Marine Corps' birthday. Fun fact, I don't know if you knew that. November 10th, 1775, the United States Marine Corps was founded in Tun Tavern in Philadelphia uh, by uh, a couple of drunk dudes, as most Marines are. So tomorrow's the Marine Corps' birthday. Happy birthday to all our Marines. Uh, at our shop tomorrow, we're doing a little bit of a shindig from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, I'm going to be bringing my barbecue pit and everything. You guys are more than welcome to bring your own beer for after 6 when the shop closes. Uh, we'll have a little shindig for the Marine Corps as well as Veterans Day for any guys who are interested. We're located at 5219 Broadway Boulevard uh, in Garland, Texas. So if anyone's interested, by all means, uh, swing by. Not just for Marines, but veterans or families of veterans or if your family member's deceased, they were in the Marine Corps or they're a veteran. You guys are more than welcome. Like I said, I'll bring my... Um, I'll bring my barbecue pit out if you guys want to bring some food to barbecue. We'll happily slap it on the grill. Should be, uh, should be a great time. So aside from that uh, and my shop and my wares, uh, for this episode, we brought in a good friend of mine, Gabe Brace, who's the president of Brace Manufacturing there out in Garland. Uh, so a really local, uh, pretty big guns, you know, gun, gun manufacturer. Uh, right there, right there in Garland. A lot of you guys don't know that they're there. A lot of times we have some of your uh, some of your stuff in the shop, and dudes are like, "Man, what's that? What's that about?" So it's pretty interesting that we get got to bring you guys uh, bring you guys into the fold into our shop. So without further ado, uh, uh, Gabe Brace. Gabe, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? My name is Gabe Brace. I am a uh, I guess you would say I'm the I'm a co family owner in the business. My dad actually started the business back in 2016. He started He started with the uh, anticipation of doing really just manufacturing, specifically in the gun industry. Um, there's a little bit that, I, that is not able to be disclosed, but as far as how it started was, there was a gun store or a gun company called Modern Outfitters that, that was in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, at the time, my dad worked for a oil and gas and investments company. They would go out to this gun range or this gun, this, uh, it was a lease actually in Scuba, Mississippi. So it was a, a lease in Scuba, Mississippi that um, they would go to all the time. And the guy there was making custom guns at the time, not too uncommon, uh, especially nowadays, this being seven and a half years ago, um, that individual 
had the idea of creating a brand, which was at the time Modern Outfitters. It was a little bit more uh, based on custom guns. And what my dad's background at the time was is manufacturing or fabrication in particular. Um, so they invested in the company. He had a part uh, ownership in this business. They then relocated it to Dallas. And his anticipation was we will do all the manufacturing related to gun parts, that being CNC machining, whether that's turning, uh, milling, or Cerakote, any of the post-process that we could do in-house. Um, and then that's when we started Brace Manufacturing. 2019, we rebranded to Brace Built as our brand. Um, and that brought along, um, you know, your, your mix of ARs. Bolt Guns was kind of the original baby or the, uh, the brainchild of what we were going to do. Uh, and that was in 2020, we released the gun. And uh, since then, actually, we've been just doing majority manufacturing for OEM parts throughout the industry, whether it's for um, other manufacturers that do bolt guns, ARs, like I said, variance work, Cerakote work, uh, but the majority of our business is predominantly manufacturing. Um, and so I, I got brought into the business, kind of grown up in it, but really full you know, fully uh, baptized into it about two and a half years ago when I got out of college, three years ago when I got out of college and just been blown away with kind of when you unveil the sheet with what we'll talk about today is just the- What'd, the you, what'd you go to school for? I went to school for business, ma I went I majored in football. But no, I got a scholarship to go to uh, the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Um, go Bull Weevils if anybody's listening, maybe my little brother. And uh, went there for business management and got my degree. COVID hits. I'm sent home. What position you play? I played out. I played inside. I played outside linebacker. I was recruited for outside linebacker. I ended up playing inside linebacker because I was one of the few guys that remembered all the plays. But I yeah, you gotta. When, I was when you, 50 yeah, pounds. You gotta heavy. have the. You so gotta to, have the brain. Oh yeah. I mean, today I weighed myself and I was 175 pounds. I haven't weighed this light since eighth grade. I was about to say you're not a very. I mean, you're no. you're a pretty stout fella, but I mean. To be an 220 is what I used to wear. Okay. 5'10", 220. It's better than me. I play defensive backs. So yeah. Not I mean, you're probably fast. Just, you're probably a whole lot faster. Actually, I'm, I'm really not. No? Just really good hands? Yeah, great hands. Uh, I ran about a 5'1". I mean, it's not bad. That's, I'm very that's flat pretty bad. I'm very flat yeah. Great swimmer. Great yeah. swimmer. Um, no, uh, I didn't really play a lot of defense. Um, and I really like baseball, actually. But no, I, I I didn't. Obviously, I didn't play college ball. Uh, but I did go to school for business management. Did you? I did. Uh, I uh, but I concentrated in HR. So that's really what I wanted to do was to be like an HR lead. Really? So I, well, I I I went to school for two years. I went to school for two years in uh, broadcasting, like journalism basically what we're doing now, right? Yeah. I actually, I worked at a radio station, you know, because everyone told me that I had a face for radio. So uh, I do have a pretty sweet, sultry voice though. But yeah, so yeah, I... Yeah, uh, not, not bad. Yeah, so I went to school for like two years for broadcasting. And uh, me and Janae, we were like getting married at the time. So I just figured like, man, it's, it's really tough for both people to be like in college with a baby and have a house. Like it was really difficult for us to do it at the same time. So I said, look, I'll take one for the team. Janae, you stay in school. She ended up changing her major. So that like prolonged, prolonged everything. Um, so she was like, hey, you know, uh, you stay in school. I will go to work. I worked in the oil field for a couple of years. 
I ended up getting laid off like eight months earlier than what I planned on departing the oh, oil really? field because I was going to go back to college. Uh, but I ended up getting laid off because we had a pretty big downturn in the oil field. I think I got laid off in like 2015. No, it might have been 16. Some, somewhere along those lines. And I plan on going back to school. Like, So I got laid off in, in an October. And basically I was going to try to go to school the following fall. Okay. So it was about like nine months, well, uh, about six months earlier than I anticipated. So I just had to find something to do. So I ended up doing construction, which I hated. Nice. Yeah. That was terrible. Everybody's first job. Yeah. That was absolutely terrible. So I did AC duct work, like building, like, you know, the duct work and stuff. I did that for a few months and, uh, the work wasn't bad, but I really hated doing like the same shit every single day, seeing the same people going on the same job site. Yeah. Plus, do those hours blue. Well, we worked four tens, which is good. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah we worked. Uh, I only worked four days a week, but they didn't pay shit, so I actually had to work Fridays and Saturdays. I waited oh. tables on Fridays and Saturdays. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it was terrible, dude. And so Sundays were like my only day off. So we ended up doing. I ended up doing that for a little bit, and then uh, I ended up going back to school. And I was like, okay, well, like, because I, I worked in the oil field, and then I did construction, right? So I worked a lot with my hands. It was all outside, wearing FRCs and hard hats and all that other shit. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, if I never put on a hard hat again for the rest of my You'd life, I would be okay with that. <laughs> so I was like, what can I do that every company needs that pays pretty well? You're pretty much the last person to get laid off. Because I mean, what am I going to do, lay off myself? Right? So uh, I was like, what can I do, right? So I met with a counselor, like a guidance counselor, sort of yeah. career progression person at the university. We Which kind of figured University of Louisiana, University of Louisiana. So we're the raging Cajuns. Yeah. Also, uh, you have, like ULM? No, ULL. So ULM, ULM is like know. a, so ULL is like the flagship, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're a big baseball school. Yeah. Yeah. They're not very good at football. They're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good baseball school. And actually they're really known for like engineering and nursing. And That's like HR their degrees. Yeah. Apparently. So I met with a, like a guidance counselor, career progression person, whatever. And I was like, what can I do where I work in the air conditioner for the rest of my life? And I don't have to talk to people because I was done with the whole customer service retail industry. Right. I didn't want to talk to people. I was like, as a matter of fact, I didn't even want to talk to employees of the company. What can I do? And she's like, done HR. Nobody likes the HR dude. And I was like, I like it. Talk to me about it. So, no, mess with me. Yeah. So we chatted for a little bit. I ended up uh, saying, okay, let's do that. So, but my school didn't offer a major in HR. They only offered like a concentration, which now they offer a major in HR. But so I went to school for that. Um, and actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. You know, uh, we did a lot of like payroll stuff and, and everything. So we ended up, you know, doing a lot of marketing and accounting and, you know, sort of like a, I guess everything. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I graduated college, took a job guiding hunts in Texas because that's what college graduates do. That's why I moved really? to Texas. Yeah. I took a job at a ranch in Eustis, which is near like Athens, Maybank, Gunbarrel City. The that's area. the ranch job. The that's whole. the yeah, Cedar Cove Ranch. So I took a job out there, um, realized uh, I really wanted to work for myself because obviously, like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, at your job, you have great ideas. All the time. Right? And no, no one time. really wants to run with your ideas like Gabe does. Yeah, exactly. Right? Makes sense. So uh, I, you know, talked to Janae about it as we do about, you know, our bosses, which yeah. you can't really complain about your boss a whole, no. whole lot. No, I can't. But uh, I could at the time. So uh, I talked to Janae and she's like, you know what? Why don't you like start your own gig, dude? And so that's where 
the idea of lateral limits came. So uh, that was my long-winded story about what I went to college for and why I went to college So what was the, just because I don't know, what's the, how did you come up with the name? Actually, it's funny. Uh, so my, one of my very close friends, Trace, came up with the name. So uh, I posted on Facebook. So when I lived in Louisiana, my original LLC was Alamal Concealment Training. And because all I did was like uh, teach, well, in Louisiana, it's not called LTC. It's called like CHL. So I taught like, I taught like concealed carry classes in Louisiana. So it was called Alamal Concealment Training. And then when I started doing Cerakoting and got my FFL, I changed it to KA Tactical. Keenan Alamal Tactical, nice. right? Not very original, but it got the point across. Yeah. So, but when I wanted to open like a shop shop in Texas, I didn't want like a, just like a, you know, tactical yeah. or like guns or glass. gun store. or People remember it. Right. So I wanted, but so you have like this, I had like this battle where it's like, okay, do I go with the name that immediately tells people it's a gun store? For example, like Keenan's Guns yeah. or Garland Gun Store or so, something that's like super unoriginal, yeah, not very catchy, but um, you say the name and people will immediately know what I sell. Raise, get up. can I say that on the spot? Yeah, you can say whatever you want, right? So, uh, but so it was my idea, and I was like, "Listen, I don't want to go with like a super tactical name, because in five years, I don't want to be known as a gun store. I want to be known as like a dude store or like a men's haberdashery, yeah. sort of like. So, like, where can I go with my brand now? I'm sure I'll struggle a little bit at first getting right. my brand, you know, brand recognition and such. But let's go with something that's not like super tactical. So I had a bunch of you know, like I probably, it's funny, we could probably pull up the, the original post that I did, you know, three years ago. And, uh, I had like a hundred people comment on it, give me ideas for names or whatever. Most of which were like Keenan's guns, yeah. KA guns and company, yeah. you know, taking over the, you know, whatever Texas. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, that works or whatever. And then, so my, my, one of my good friends, Trace was like lateral limits. And I was like, Hmm. And he's like, yeah, take, so a lateral limit, obviously for those of you who don't know, uh, on a target when you go to a range, right? So like I was a range instructor in the Marine Corps. Like that's what I did yeah, when I was in the yeah. Marines. So a lateral limit on a target is like your left and right and your vertical lateral limit. So mm -hmm. like if, if you're at a range, uh, normally like if it's like a big, big range that has like 80 targets, right? And they're all open. You have like a left marker and a right marker. And then we normally tell our Marines and sailors like, hey, that mark all the way, you know, 85 yards to the left, that mark all the way 85 yards to the right or so, that's your left and right lateral limit, which basically means your bullet should never go past the left or past the right lateral yeah, limit. It should never cool. go higher than the berm or whatever. So that's what a lateral limit is. It's basically you can't shoot past it. So the idea of the shop was as a brand, we would take care of sort of like everything that a man would need in modern you know, in the modern world, yeah. we would take care of them from the left to the right lateral limit, which is kind of cheesy, yeah, but that's pretty good. But that's sort of, that's a lot deeper than what most people think. So are there any brands that you, that you've seen do what you are trying to in a, in a different industry or even in the firearm space? So Caleb's shop, the rustic renegade, which is where I was, I'm, uh, I was an assistant manager at his store okay. uh, when I lived in Louisiana. And that's where I got some of the ideas that I have from him. Uh, like he sells, uh, coffee and men's grooming products and stuff like that. So some, some of the companies like Duke Cannon and Black Rifle, Oh yeah. uh, that's where I kind of made contact is when I worked with him. So he does a lot of that stuff too. 
we, I think we dive a little bit more on the non-firearm side than Caleb does. Yeah, I'm looking at um, it right now. Yeah, he, I mean, he's got a pretty cool. He's got a pretty cool spot. His place is way bigger than mine, and he does. Uh, he does like axe throwing. He has like a legitimate like on-site gunsmith. So more on the the experience via entertainment. I think so. Out. Yeah. So we dive a little bit more into, uh, and yeah, like getting people individual certain things that they want. Where he's he, I guess he, you know, sells more like sort of like mass produced Monday through Friday stuff. I guess yeah. you can say it would be the easiest yeah. way to describe it. So yeah, not many people do sort of what you know me and him do, um, which is funny because we kind of piggyback off of each other. Like I have an idea for something. Like as a matter of fact, we talked the other day. I thought about changing some policies. And I ran it by him because obviously, you know, he's one of my mentors in the industry and uh, we tend to trade and sell each other stuff. You know, like if I have a gun that's been sitting for a little right. while, we might like do some flipping and trading and stuff. Like when I first opened, I had seven handguns and I think eight or nine long guns. Uh, Caleb probably sold me 70% of my opening inventory. Really? Yeah. So I went down to Louisiana uh, and basically I told him, I was like, hey, here's about how much money I have to play with. What are you willing to sell me? And he sold it to me at all at cost. So um, obviously we have a respect for each other. And like I said, we, we talk to each other a decent amount, you know, and um, yeah, he's he's sort of where I got some of my ideas from. Like, I don't think I don't think the whole like the axe throwing or tomahawk throwing thing would really catch on here. I had thought about doing something similar somewhere else like i i think i told you i was thinking about uh purchasing an already sort of established business yeah which i i, I after diving into it i think i'm gonna let that one walk uh it's not quite what i wanted it to be or what it was portrayed to me so i i decided to let that one walk but one of the original plans was i was gonna buy it because uh, they have a really nice size parking lot in the back that I could have done some sort of like tomahawk or axe throwing oh, thing, okay. which was a cool idea to me. But a lot more people, and I think what makes it really successful for him is that uh, not many people down there do it. Yeah, I was about to say they're here. It's it's pretty overplayed. I think, yeah, here. it's over. I mean, there's shit, there's one at every corner right now. Yeah, but they have a lot of like traveling ones. Uh, whereas Caleb was sort of like one of the first people down there to do it. Yeah. Which is why he makes it pretty well. And he also has a pretty cool, like, Ismet, um, like the simulator thing, where, uh, you know, instead of, like, going to a range and spending an obscene oh, amount yeah. of money, yeah. they have, like, the CO2-powered guns and yeah. stuff, which is pretty interesting. But, yeah, when it comes to it, uh, like, obviously, we have some pretty cool ideas, and uh, I'm still working on the expansion that I had told you about. Yeah. We're still sort of in the negotiation process with that. The construction's looking like it's going to be a little bit more expensive than what the landlord is willing to pay, which I'm not in the market for building other people's yeah. buildings for them yeah. and paying for it. So I don't know if the, the Saxy location is going to work out for us or not, but if it does, that works because it's a lot bigger space and I can do a lot more, you know, I can bring in a barber and potentially the tattoo artist and cool stuff thing. like that. Maybe killer, a, that would be, I don't know if it's big enough for that. Because it's 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 twice the spot, it's twice the space, twice the space. I, I go to I go to Floyd's just so I can play pool. But, really? Yeah. DP, it's community. Yeah, it really is. It really is, and it's cool. It's a cool marketing tactic. Because I mean, you have dudes that I mean, you you rack up. A, you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. You know, so pool tables tend to keep people. Oh, know, I mean, if you can, if you if you can go into an environment that people feel that they can, because you know, like you go to a bar, like it, it just a grimy bar, and you're like. 
not going to go play. Because that dude over there has got his glove. He brought his cue. Yeah. Taking it too serious. Yeah. I'm not even put my name on the board. If you can go, and I think that's one of the things and with I'm, your gun story. Very average too. Oh like, yeah, I'm, 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 too. It's coming from a person that physically owns a pool. Yeah, I mean, I looked at. I thought you were a pro for a second. Yeah, no, I like. I'm like. I'm like. I would probably even consider myself slightly, like moderately below average, like in the bottom bottom third of average players. Yeah, I'm great. I'm actually I'm actually very good. I'm well above average, uh, but I'm not a closer. I will choke like a motherfucker, dude. I will knock the teeth off that eight ball. Oh yeah, sure, oh, dude, all the time, dude. I will, I will, I will hit in that eight ball prematurely almost every single game. I'm great until, like, I'm not a good, I'm not a good bottom of the ninth. Yeah, sort of, you know, two, one, two outs. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that. I'm not that player. I'm not that. I mean, I'm just. I've gotten served up too many ass beatings on the pool table, so I just kind of just watch and I respect the game, and I'll watch you know something on YouTube and be like, yeah. oh, I could do that shit." I'm try. either I'm either like slightly average or amazing, and there's no in between with me. Yeah, especially like, when you're playing your little kids. Yeah, no, like Gunner's actually really good. He cheats a lot, but he's yeah, that's whatever. But uh, like when we went to I think we went to Nick's Sports Bar in Rowlett the other day. Just because I had been begging Janae, I'm like, can we just go? Like, I think the kids were out of town. Sports bar. Yeah, I was like, can we just go? Uh, you know, I want to watch some football and like play some pool with people that I don't know. Yeah, and she's like, sure, yeah. You know, sometimes she'll be like, all right, whatever, just to shut me up. She'll yeah. be, like, she'll come. So it was me, my sister, and her. We went and I played pool with this dude. He was actually really good. And the first game he beat me, but it was like narrow. He's like, you want to play again? And I was like, you know what? I actually did okay that game. Uh, let me do it. And so I played again. I beat the brakes off this dude the second game. Like, that was probably the best pool I've ever played in my life. Just everything was going in? Everything was perfect, dude. I think I hit, like, four or five balls in a row. Like, almost, like, completely, dude, like, ran the table Behind honest, the dude. back. Watch this. Yeah, I even did, like, one, like, slightly cocky shot. Uh, and uh, he was like, oh, damn. Like, damn, this dude's really good. And so the third game was not good for me. Like, I think I – yeah, like – I. I, he, I probably had four or five balls left on the table when he knocked in that eight so ball. So you got played, what you're saying? No, like, I think, I think I, because I played so well in the second game, he's like, holy shit, this dude's actually yeah, really good. Yeah, he's like, all right, you know, enough, enough messing around, yeah. you know? And, uh, so, yeah, and in the third game, uh, he did really well, and he ended up beating me. And I was like, okay, man, well, like, you won two out of three. He's like, no, man, like, it's cool. And I'm like, no, it is, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I'm good. Like, I plateaued that second game. You know, but it's weird. So like, uh, you have to, so like between after I finish beer number two and before I finish beer number four, that's like prime gold time. Hour. That's like prime time for me. Damn. You know, so after four, I'm like, I'm like starting to get a buzz. Yeah. I'm abysmal. But before two, I don't have enough of a buzz. So I'm shit. So you got to yeah, get I can, me. I mean, I can, yeah, I can, I can attest to that. Yeah. You got to get me between beer two and four. Otherwise... It's not it, looking yeah. good for me. Yeah, it's, you got to get a little liquid courage, loosen the uh, grease the wheels, grease the bearings a little bit, get everything going. I mean, I totally, I'm right there with you. What, whether it's just about just about anything. I mean, what we're doing right now is like the perfect example of. Right. I mean, I think this is it. It helps the brain get a little creative, think outside the box. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So aside from. Aside from our, our lack of uh, pool playing abilities, yeah, uh, let's degrees. let's sort yeah in in college and, and inside linebackers at 175 pounds, 
which that's really interesting. No, no, two hundred. I was two twenty. I'm one hundred seventy five pounds now. now. In eighth grade, I weighed one seventy five. I was two twenty five or two twenty. You'll never believe it, but I weigh one forty two, soaking wet. Okay. I believe soaking so. wet, and that's with long hair. So if I cut my hair like I did my entire life, I'd probably be like one forty one. Because wow. that's a decent mop on the top of my head right now. Uh, that's the same size I've been since I was a sophomore in high school. No shit. I've never. God, man, I was, yeah, I, I, I was into. Well, well, when I graduated infantry school, which we did a lot of hiking, there was a lot of walking. And uh, I graduated infantry school at 156, which, dude, that is the biggest Swole. I've ever been. Oh, yeah, dude, it was great. It was great. And I've been trying my entire, I mean, ever since, I mean, I go to the gym five times a week. You work out five times a week? Five times a week. And I go to jujitsu once a week. Uh, I try to run at Holy least once shit, a week, but that's man. you are. That's I mean, you I'm, run five days a week. No, 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 no. I I try to run at least once a week now. I've stopped doing a lot of this cardio because I'm trying to gain weight again. Damn, um, man! I didn't know you were working out that much. Oh yeah, I, I, mean, I don't I don't work out like a lot. I work out about 45 minutes a day. Uh, For five days a week. Five days a week. Dude, that's a shit. Monday through Friday. Out. That is yeah. a shit ton of work. Yeah, Monday I work Friday. out one day a week right now. Hell yeah, no. It's horrible. Well, so I drop off Phoebe. I have to drop off Phoebe before eight ten, and then normally I don't show up to the shop till like nine. And now that I have two full time oh, yeah. employees, yeah. I don't I don't have to be there. So like I have that you know forty five minutes, sometimes thirty minutes if I want to grab breakfast or something. But for sure, I'm at I'm at the gym minimum four days a week because sometimes I won't go on Mondays if I'm lazy. Yeah. But yeah, for sure, four four to five days a week for about thirty to forty five minutes a day. And I've been trying. I really have. I've been trying to gain weight again. Uh, it just, it just, it's not. Dude, I'm on a three three month hiatus right now. After I did, I've been. I was working out. Basically, my goal in life, but when I was like sixth grade, is be like you know, be like my dad, which was go play college football or be like my older. Your dad's brother. a big dude. My that's a big. Is, that's a big. A big that's a large man. He was a uh, yeah. He was he was all American, all that stuff. Tried out for the pros. Just Where did like, he go to college? He went to St. Joseph's College, Go Pumas, and uh, Rensselaer, Indiana, Division II school. And then he got, um, he actually set the all time record until 2016 for most tackles in a career for all of Division II. So um, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I'm like, yeah, I got to work out. So since seventh grade, which is funny because your, your dad's a big dude and your mom is not. No, my mom, but my mom's a, a yoga instructor. She teaches seven days a week. No, I'm saying she's not a big like. No, my, that's not very good like genetically. Oh, I mean, my mom's not. She's five, five, six, five, seven. No, I'm saying she. Yeah, she's not a very but large she, I mean, woman. Yeah. She's like a hundred. Uh, she beat my ass if I disclosed her weight on this right now. But she's. I mean, she's got muscle. She can build muscle. Pretty damn. Yeah, my I, mean, I didn't stare at your mom that hard. Do I? Yeah, yeah I thank God. Try not to. Thank God. But no, I've been working out. I after doing it for that many years, and then college as well. The last thing you want, like I get done, I'm like, yeah, you know what? And then I go to go to the gym. You kind of look at me and you're like, what the fuck am I working out so hard for? Yeah, I don't have to be good at. I don't have to be good at tackling or pushing people around anymore. You know, so kind of woke up and was like. God, this isn't that, but I kid you not, like the, the mental and emotional side of things that you 
don't realize exercising does to your brain? Oh, dude, it's it's great, man. Dude. Especially for so like when I first opened my shop, um, and it was just me. Like my brother, my brother worked for me like one day a week, and uh, but other than that, I mean, it was just me. You know, alone and unafraid, every single day, open, close, just oh, yeah. Keenan for like probably my first eight or nine months. Oh shit! And then that's when. That's when it might have not been that long, but for sure six months. And then that's when I brought in Trevor for a couple of days a week. But for the most part, it was just me. And um, I could not sleep. I just couldn't sleep. And uh, I called my uncle one day, and my uncle owns an IT company. Uh, he was, uh, I had him on, he was on like our first Skype episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Because he lives in, yeah, he lives in Hernando, Mississippi. And uh, I talked to him about something different. And I had asked him, I was like, man, David, like, bro, when you first opened your business, like, could you not sleep? And he's like, fuck, no. He's like, dude, I couldn't sleep to save my life. He said, honestly, he said, honestly, Keenan, you know what's your best bet? He said, he said, your problem is, is that like when you're at work and you get home from work, you're not like physically exhausted, but you're like mentally exhausted, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you have so many things going on. Because I was like, yeah, dude, I said, when I lay down to go to sleep. I'm not like physically tired, but I'm like sort of mentally tired. But because I'm not physically tired, staring at the ceiling. I'm staring at the ceiling. I'm thinking like, okay, man, you know, like, man. And this is this is back back in the day when I'm like, all right, Keenan, I sold two guns today. How in the ass am I going to replace those guns? Like, what do I need to do? Who do I need to call? Where can I you, replace those guns? You got a gun store with, like, you got you had you ran into troubles that most. I mean, you started a gun store when most people would say, don't do it. And it I did, well. but so. I'll, I'll get back to that yeah, point. And it was sort of a, uh, it was sort of like a blessing in disguise, like a blessing and a curse when I started. But I'll get to that point in a second. But when I when I talked to David, and I was like, man, like, I have so much trouble because when I lay down at night, I have no problem falling asleep, uh, just because I mean you're so drained at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I would take a shower and I I could fall asleep really quickly. Uh, but it was staying asleep was the problem. Quality of sleep. Right. So I mean, I, you know, one of the dogs would bark. You know, uh, well, at the time that I opened, um, Janae was pregnant. Yeah, Janae was pregnant when I opened. So, like, she would toss and turn a decent amount because she was pregnant. Or, like, when the baby was here, You're she would cry. And, kids too. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I would wake up. And if I didn't fall asleep within five seconds. Because, I mean, sometimes you'll wake up and you're like, what the fuck? You know, and yeah. then you fall right back asleep. It's not that big of a deal. But for me, it was exemplified because if I didn't fall asleep within five seconds... Like I might as well, I might as well just get up and start the day. And there were so many days where this would happen at like one fifteen, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And at the time, it's not bad because it's like, well, I guess I'm not tired. Right. But if you wake up at two, and I'm just sitting there and I'm doing trying to trying to find something to do, but it's not like I could kick on the compressor and try to seracote some stuff at two o'clock in the morning. Or guys that aren't. Yeah, there's, yeah, I do. Right. You know, and I would I would scour RSR and Sports South or whatever at two o'clock in the morning. But I mean, by like five thirty I'd get tired again. Because like, oh, it's like, okay. Shit. But then I would try to go to sleep at five thirty and then my alarm would go off at six thirty and you only get that hour of sleep. That's not quality, right? So I would struggle with that. So I talked to David about it, my uncle, and I was like, Man, David, like like no course in college ever told me this. <laughs> you know, like yeah. And he's like, honestly, Keenan, what you need to do is when you get home from work, uh, go run, go work out, but make it not like a super lengthy workout, maybe 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes at the most, but you need to make like a quality workout. Like I'm talking, beat the shit out of yourself yeah. for 20 minutes. Do that, break a sweat, come inside, take a shower, you'll sleep through the night. 
And I was like, there's no way that works. And I did it. It took like a week, but once my body got accustomed to that, uh, dude, that really helped like a lot, you know, and sort of like having that, having that like emotional release and getting my body to match like my getting my physical exhaustion to match my mental exhaustion, I think really helped. So do you still have, do you still have that, that whether it's concern, feeling state of mind, do you still have that now that, that kept you up at night or do you? I don't because I mean, at first, obviously we're in a vastly different stage of the business as we are now than right. when I opened, you know, two years ago. So like now, now I know that if, if I don't answer a phone call, you know, cause like at the time I was like, Oh my God, I have to answer every, like dude, yeah, when I yeah. first opened, I had my phone, like the lateral limits phone 24 hours a day on 24 hours a day. If you call the two fifteen in the morning to ask me if I had a Glock 19, uh, I would answer it. It's opportunity. Yeah. I get it. You know, cause I was so stressed. Like, Oh my God, I, I can't lose a single sale, which now I understand that that's, you know, your average consumer oh, knows yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Which at the time I didn't. Right. Cause I, I couldn't lose. And anything. it's super reassuring. Cause so we did, we did, or we still do a little bit of direct consumer, but I would say up until a year ago, basically the same time that I met Keenan was when I was, we were kind of making a push for, let's try to find some dealers, quality dealers local in the area that would carry our stuff, even if they would. So during that same time, we thought, um, you know, it's direct consumer. We've got to answer every phone call. And we're like, we kind of get to that same point. And every time we thought, you know what, let's not change the app. Cause the hours, I think at first were like 6 AM we're open on the phone till six o'clock or six or 7 PM. And we just had, whether it was a, it was a cell phone that somebody had to have on them or mm-hmm. it was a actual landline. It was like, we have to answer exactly what you're talking about. And then we're like, finally at that point, and then you get the one guy that calls at like six thirty and places an order for like ten grand worth of guns. And like, this is, is worth it. Is it? Yeah, exactly. But realistically, looking back and looking to what we're at, what we're doing now, it's it's yeah. So but much also at the time, through. I didn't have uh, the e-commerce sort oh, of platform yeah. that we have now. So when I first opened, I didn't even have a website for probably the first like six months. Right. And I think that had a lot to do with, with why I felt the way that I did, which I wish I would have just spent a little bit more money and just had a really good e-commerce portal from the get go. Yeah. Um, but about six months in is when we launched my website and the e-commerce portal that we had in the beginning was terrible. It was terrible. So it was through my merchant processor. It was called like Trek to go or something like that. It was basically like a, a glorified app. Oh, it was made more for like, if you sell like five items, right. And they're not user specific. Like you sell five different types of t-shirts, right? Or five different designs of t-shirts. You can change the size and stuff like that, or, you know, add a different attribute or whatever, but it was very simple. It looked like even in its best conformity, it looked like you were looking at a website in 1988. Mm. Like it just looked terrible. So after a while and after having enough complaints and realizing that if I wanted to be competitive and, and not have to have the burden of answering a text message or an Instagram DM at 2, 2.10 in the morning, I needed to have a quality e-commerce platform. 
And then that's when I decide to go with these uh, the guys that I use now, which leaps and bounds are better than anyone that I've ever used previously. Uh, and who is it? It is uh, Engager Biz. It's not a local company. It's uh, it's like a nationwide company. Uh, but dude, if I send Somi is like my her, that's her name. It's my like I guess rep. Yeah. Uh, if I email Somi, I'm like, hey, Somi, like, I'd really like to adjust this. Can we move this video to this portion of the website? Can we adjust this? Can we change the oh, font they, here? Do, they regulate the whole website. Oh, and it's it's in, uh, unlimited edits. And I pay it's like 150 bucks a month. Okay. Uh, they don't do merchant processing, so that you do have to like third party out. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's unlimited edits. And it like I can literally be like, you know what? Let's completely redo the entire website today. Okay, Keenan, what do you want to do? Done. Wow. I send her an email, say, hey, let's change this, 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 and this. And it's it's several several times I've emailed her. And I'm yeah. like, hey, I want to move this. I want to change this. Uh, this video that I made is sort of outdated now. I made that three months ago. Let's go ahead and get this off the website. Let's add this now. You know, this tutorial video that I did about purchasing a suppressor. Can we move this? Spread more awareness about this. Yeah. You know, things like From that. On the website, I looked at that. Today. Yes. So... Uh, there's certain things that I really like about them that really helped us. And by me doing that, I think that helped me more because it made me realize like, okay, I don't have to answer a text message or a phone call at 2.15 in the morning asking if I have a clock 19 because that's what the website is for. Exactly. Right? My inventory is live on the website. I don't use Gearfire. I don't use these other companies that most gun stores use. Right. My If, if, if an item is on my website, I have it. You know, pending human error. Like if, you know, me or one yeah. of the guys at the shop forgot to take it off or add something. Right. But if it's on the website, I have it. Right? And so that, that helped me a lot. Because I understood now that having a quality website means more and it allows the customer to look at the website instead yeah. of calling me, which you'd be surprised so many times. Oh, we'll not, we'll post a gun. The first three comments are going to say just how much, how much, how much, or dollar signs, question mark. And we'll normally respond back with just the link of the website that we already added the item to. So, yeah, I mean, that's, so that sort of stuff really helps us move, especially stuff that's, like, really hard to get. You know, like, for example, uh, I've had, since I've been open, I've had two HK SP5s okay. that were allocated to me from different distributors. I'll add it onto the website. I'll share the link in, like, some crazy, you know, high-tier gun nut sort of Facebook group. It'll sell in minutes. Really? Yeah. Oh, minutes. Like literally the first SP5 we had, um, I sold it. So Midway sells them for 3600 bucks. at HK SP5. Uh, I sold the first one for 2900 So 700 bucks under Midway, which is like, let's be honest. Like if you think Midway pays the same price that yeah, you're does, you're insane. So uh, I added it on there. It sold it almost instantly. So that really helped a lot too, aside from just understanding that the average consumer the average consumer isn't like if they call you at 6.15 in the morning and you answer, that's great. But if you they call at 6.15 in the morning and you don't answer, they understand yeah. why you're not answering at 6.15 in the morning. And then when you return the call at 8.30, they understand why there was a two hour and 15 minute delay. So do you do that? Do you return calls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we return calls every day. I'm, I'm saying as in you'll call back if you miss the call? Yes, every single day. Really? Every single day, yeah. So uh, one of the first things we do when we get into the shop every day is, uh, so it'll, if we don't answer, 
if we don't answer and it's outside of business hours, it doesn't leave you an option to leave a voicemail. Uh, okay. It just says, hey, we're closed. Please call back. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we'll be open at this time. And But it'll send you an automatic text message if you're calling from a cell phone. So if you call outside of business hours, we'll say, hey, we're really sorry we missed your call. Uh, however, if you have a specific question, feel free to text us. Right. And then obviously, because I mean, if who does that go to you? Uh, so me, Trevor and Jared all have access to that phone number. Oh, that's awesome. We use like a call forwarding service. So, uh, like the shop number, you can text it right now and it'll go hmm. to my phone and I'll be able to see it. So that's a really great tool that we, that I really like. And plus, I mean, cause like I said, at when we, I first opened, it was such a big burden for me specifically because it was, you know, Keenan alone and unafraid. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was answering every single phone call, every single email, every single text message. Where's now, that? yeah, now, whereas I have two other dudes that can help me answer a text message. Now, obviously, if they're not working, they're probably not going to answer the phone or the text, which is fine. I don't expect them to do that. Right. But I can do that, right? Um, and then an email, I can do that too. But the chance of me answering an email now outside of business hours are a lot lower right. because I know – now, obviously, if you if if I think that this okay, this could really happen, I can really get a sale off of this. Obviously, I'll answer it. But uh, most consumers understand that oh, if yeah, they yeah, reach yeah. out outside of business hours in a retail business, you know. But also, I had, you, I had it backfire you, too. Yeah, I was about to say. So I, I talk with uh, it's kind of a common joke because we're in the manufacturing space and we're also in a little bit of a of a, I guess you would call it. We're not necessarily a retailer, but we also will fulfill from manufacturer to the the customer's purchase. So what we always joke around with is that Amazon kind of spoiled it for everybody. You know, it's, it's one of those things that whenever you purchase, it's instant gratification. I want it now. I want to see where it's at throughout the entire process. I'm sure you can, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's sometimes a little frustrating. Right. And so I think a lot of that too is, and, and uh, as well as like pricing too, and, and understanding that Google and Amazon and Gunbroker are not going anywhere in modern 2022, right. it makes it really tough for uh, even manufacturers now, right? So for example, uh, a lot of people want that instant gratification. Like for example, I was telling you that I took an order for another dealer for your product mm-hmm. through me, right? Mm-hmm. So I talked to him about it and kind of coached him up. I offered him a couple options because he wanted very specific guns for his customer. And I was like, listen, let's go with a local company instead of going with, um, I forgot what company he originally wanted, but I was like, let's go with Bracebill, right? So I talked to him, gave him a price. I was like, we can even customize it if you want a specific Cerakote right. or like what, you know, you want a 14.5, what muzzle device do you want? Like from the entire yeah. process, uh, and then I told him uh, after the fact, after I took the order and everything, uh, a few days go by, and he's like, hey, is there any update? I was like, what do you mean? Like, I said, submitted the order. That's the update. And he's like, well, no, like, how much longer is it going to be, whatever, whatever. And I was like, listen, you know, like, brace built, you know, it's it's about a six-week turnaround right. uh, is what I would say to you. Now, is it could it be faster? Probably. Is it going to be longer than six weeks? Probably not. So right. six weeks is probably a little longer. And he was, he literally sent back like the, like the big eyes emoji. Yeah. I was like, why? What's wrong? He's like, well, damn, it doesn't take six weeks to assemble it in AR. I was like, no, I mean, no, it doesn't. Yeah. But if you think that we're their only order or we're their only gig, yeah. like I promise you, if I'm their only customer, they're not going to be in business long. Like, and so, but another thing that I, I told him too was like, dude, Sons of Liberty 
four to five months it normally takes to fulfill orders. I have an AR-10 that I order from Sons of Liberty. Two years. And I know if you're listening, you're, I said years. You teased me six, no, shoot, probably four months ago you said, hey, I think it'll be here It's probably weekend. longer than that because it'll they be called me and they asked me what color Cerakote. It was they then. Were, it was then. It was yeah, and they were like, hey, what color, they called me, what color Cerakote do you want? So I said burnt bronze. And they're like, well, that's not normally a color that we do. I'm like, well, that's what color I want. So I want a burnt bronze AR-10. And so, uh, but yeah, I ordered that gun two years ago. I still have not received it. Okay. ADM. What did I say? Like six, seven, eight, nine months, whatever. Yeah. I ordered that mod too. Uh, I was like, yeah, bro. Like, yes. Sons of Liberty, ADM, any, any major, like larger, nicer, like mid to high tier AR-15 company. I mean, you're looking at pretty significant oh, yeah. lead times, especially for like specific builds. Yeah. You know, obviously I can go on RSR and get you, yeah, uh, get you a comparable months, gun yeah. to what you want, yeah. but you don't want a comparable gun. You want a 14.5 with a specific muzzle device. You want a 12.5 with a specific muzzle device. You want this, you want that. That's today's market, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like, dude, I mean, it's not, you know, aluminum's not getting any cheaper. Like there, there's certain things, right? So yes, like you said, having Amazon and, and having a lot of companies that can mass produce money through Friday guns right. has given and kind of like ruined consumers to the point where they think like, okay, I should like, okay, I've watched YouTube. I've assembled an AR-15 before. It doesn't take more than, you know, 20 minutes to assemble an AR. Like, look, I'm very good at what I do. I can, could I assemble an AR-15 in 20 minutes? Probably. Right. But is that done like you know, staking, staking the barrel, yeah, you know, st I mean, staking the castle nut, is that torquing everything yeah. down properly, loctiting things that need to be loctite? Am I measuring, you know, uh, headspace? Yeah. Or test firing it. There's yeah, a lot. exactly. I mean, there's a lot more. There's a lot of things. And then on top of that, okay, you want a 14.5. Now I need to pin and weld yeah. some shit. You know, I need to time the muzzle device properly. We're going to have to play the shim game Let's with the barrel nut. Talk to co about maybe getting a pre-drilled hole in that. Dude, I tried to tell talk to Ryan about that. I'm like, bro, come on now. Like, it's 2022. 14.5s are, are yeah. a thing. Yeah. They're, they're definitely Any, not going anywhere. No. You know? No, it, it's, it's yeah. It, it, we've seen now more than ever people, I don't know if it's it's due to, we're, we're a little bit, we, we don't even get close to scratching the surface as far as moving guns like you do. But it's one of those things that, We've seen a trend now in less guns being bought, but more guns being bought that are customizable because they're willing to wait because there's more of them out there. And now it's, well, if everybody has that one that's up on the wall, what can I do differently? And right. there's more of what you're talking about, education, whether it's YouTube, whether it's good information or bad, everybody has an opinion. And if they have enough pull, people send, they, they tend to go to that person and take their advice and they say i have to have that muzzle device or i have to have that right so a lot of people there's been a massive shift uh for example actually uh verbatim like if i were to pull up my pos right now our number one selling rifle is the sons of liberty 13.7 so it's a 13.7 inch ballistic advantage barrel that's mm -hmm. pinned and welded for sons of liberty's Knox. it's a nine port muzzle device right uh, which is basically just a, a dead air three prong yep. that Sons of Liberty kind of bougied up, right? But it takes that overall length from 13.7 to 16.1, which is great. It's a very long muzzle device. So a lot of people are really after, you know, especially with how the ATF's really hammering after, you know, pistol brace shit. Oh, yeah. They want as short as a barrel as possible, but 
still obviously be compliant oh, yeah. with the ATF, which also slightly doesn't make sense to me because it's like, okay, a 13.7 with a 10-inch muzzle device <laughs> or a 14.5 with any other muzzle device, it's the same overall yeah. length. You, so you actually are one of the few people that, because we will, we don't do, we actually don't offer that. You're, right. you're one of the few dealer. you actually, I think are the only dealer that we do that for. And it's not out of, it's not out of people asking. It's more like they want, what we always get is somebody wanting something different. And it's an individual. I want one of this barrel length, whether it's 13, 7, 13, 9, and I want this muzzle device. And it's ends up being that, hey, yeah, we can get that barrel from the manufacturer, but that muzzle device, we're not direct with a company that has a long muzzle device or a longer muzzle. The one that you're talking about in particular we could get, but it's like, look, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, just go to the guys that are doing it right, right. now. Also, Surefire. The Surefire wall crump will also get you mm -hmm. from a 13.7 or 13.9 to 16 overall, which those you can get. From, yeah. Which yeah. actually I think RSR sells the Knox now. Do they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you can check that one out. That way you don't have to be direct with Sons yeah. to get it. Yeah, and if they're listening at all, we also offer variances and do, uh, you know, manufacturing work. I'll, uh, I'll get them because I think they pretty much, Zeb does all their shit. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll uh, I'll get you in contact with uh, William Phoebus, who's their director of sales. Sweet. So William, I knew William from when he worked for ADM. Oh, cool. So that's how I met William, which... Um, I'll discuss that offline, Yeah, but I'll, I'll talk to you uh, about that. And then, so yeah, William worked for ADM and I want to say ADM decided to go with like an outside sales guy. So oh, okay. they basically relieved Will. Uh, and then that's when William left and went to Suns, which I feel like it might be a bit of a glow up, uh, especially in the position that he had. So he's got a pretty cush job now. So um, I got William's information. I've never met him. Um, yeah. uh, I met him, well, like, I guess through Caleb sort of thing. And so when I opened up my shop, I talked to Caleb and I was like, Hey, can you give me your son's Liberty rep? I think I might, you know, that would obviously be a good fit. They're right. a Texas company. Yeah. We're in Texas now. So what's up? So I ended up getting in touch with Will and, you know, through everything, wherever he got me set up with sons of Liberty and everything. And, uh, my initial orders, they gave me like 30 day terms and all that fun stuff. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a cool dude. I've only ever talked to him on the phone and everything, but I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty slick, but Sons of Liberty, Sons of Liberty makes good stuff. Oh yeah. They make no, good I've stuff. I've ne literally never heard anything bad. Yeah. So the only, the only thing about them is obviously their turnaround times are pretty abysmal. Uh, I think they're, a, they're, they're a little bit more proud of their product than they should be, uh, as far as pricing goes. Oh, uh, okay. It just, I mean, I, I think their product's great. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't lie. I think, I think their product's phenomenal. But at the price point that it's at, it competes against a lot of heavy hitters yeah. in the industry. And like, uh, your, like your Geisley Super Duty or whatever the, the those type is that what you're talking? Some about? of them, yeah. Especially like their M89 line, which is like their nicer end yeah, rifle. Right. So their uh, their XO2s, which is like their mid tier, theirs retail for like fifteen fifty. Okay. Uh, but again, that's competing against like ADM's Mod One, which retail well map for an ADM Mod One is is sixteen fifty, and I would go with an ADM every day of the week before I'd go with a, a an XO two. Now an M eighty nine, like I said, that's a nicer one. But there's a big like cultist following with Sons of Liberty, and I get it. It's a yeah. Texas company. Yeah, they started off in a garage. It's a great Cinderella story. And like I said, I love their product. I really do. It's a great gun. It sells extremely well. Uh, but for what you get, 
for example, like their their patrol rifles, which is a thirteen seven. Okay. Uh, comes pinned and welded with that Knox muzzle device. Uh, I think I'd probably go with one of your rifles at a much lower price point. Right. Then I would go with a a, a patrol rifle. No, you know, at, at a at a thirteen seven. It's just for what you get. Like I said, I mean, I, I really like their their product. It's a great gun, uh, but their entry level line, I just don't think. I think their entry level line and their really bougie line, I I think you pay a little bit more th for the name than you should. Okay. Their mid level line is great, but even that's a little bit priced higher than it should yeah. be. I think, in my opinion. I wish I know they pay a premium to Zev because Zev does their uppers, their lowers, their yeah. rails. Hodge, uh, they do like a, a core thing with Hodge. Yeah, the wedge lock. Mm -hmm. the and it's, it's a great, it's a great setup. It really well, is. I just, I just, I just don't know personally if yeah. I would, if I would warrant the price tag on the Suns. You know, because like I said, I mean, their their XO2s retail for like fifteen fifty or sixteen hundred bucks. When an ADM Mod One is sixteen fifty, yeah. you get a completely ambidextrous billet rifle. Yeah, that's a, that's something that people don't. So, so that's actually that's a good point. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of we when we had a billet all billet gun. Um, obviously, the rails are always going to be an extrusion. So, to a degree, it, you could say it's um, you know a formed product, being that it's close to the near net shape of what you're looking for. So, it takes up time. Uh, but people don't really realize when you do a billet gun, the reason majority of the reason why it's going to be more expensive is because you're able to add those features because you're starting from a block, whether it's an extruded block or it's a just a square or rec. Typically, it's going to be a rectangular block. Um, it's going to take a whole lot more time to machine it down. Do. Right. Which so many people don't understand. No, the they don't. Between billet and billet and forge. They're just like, oh, well, receivers, a receiver is a receiver. I bust, out, I bust out the forging whenever we, we – so that's like the one cool thing about being a small company. And there's multiple benefits, uh, multiple you know pitfalls. Um, but one of the cooler things I think is, is when you get to bring people around, everybody that buys a gun through us, whether it's through a dealer or whether it's directly through us, we always give them the opportunity to come into a shop tour and we'll show them you know, this is what we're selling right now is this. The reason why it's the price it is is because it's a forging. It's an upper and lower and they're forged. They're All we're doing is punching precision holes or precise holes in, in certain locations that way that it mates up with whether it's a handguard or the upper and lower. It takes X amount of minutes um, versus a billet. I mean, you're looking at probably anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes for a billet. You're looking at anywhere from 10 to... 18 minutes at the most for a 14 so you're paying for time right and so uh i had one manufacturer that the way he basically explained to me is like obviously you know billet is just made from one solid block right yep. so if i cut if i cut a receiver in 15 different places the grains are going to be i you know they're going to match right, right. and he said basically the main difference in that and between forge is forge is sort of like the chicken nugget yeah uh, you just yeah, get all the right. all the all the pieces and autostalls from from different parts or whatever, and sort of, Great which is pretty interesting. You know, that's uh, that's sort of the way that I describe it in the shop. You know, when a lot of people ask, you know, it's like, well, Keenan, I don't understand the you know warrant between the yeah. and a lot of people. It's it's funny because you look at it and you see a, a a receiver that has a closed ear, and you automatically think billet. Which is like, okay, that's not always the case. No, just because it has all. a closed ear doesn't mean that it's a billet receiver. 
And so a lot of people don't really truly understand the difference, which is intriguing to me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a big difference in quality between a billet uh, and a forged receiver, which I'm glad that I finally brought in a manufacturer to kind of really explain the difference in time and, and overall quality of the product. But but that's pretty interesting. So uh, as far as because uh, I know you said most of the sales that you do is sort of B two B or you know through you know whatever. So is through distributors? Is that ever a thing for? It is not the only distributor. Ever, I guess you, the only distributor I guess you would say we had at one point was um, Rainier Arms. Mm -hmm. So John and Terry over at Rainier. Uh, Terry being their I think he's their VP or their president. He does a lot of their purchasing. Uh, we were with them connected through a consultant that we worked with for a while that was, we were doing contract work uh, on his behalf. And we connected with Rainier for about a year and a half once the brand started to help kick it off great because what we did, I guess you'd say it was a little bit different. And we've kind of held the same exact ground, which is let's produce something that is, we get a reasonable return in our whoever buys it from us, a dealer in particular or distributor gets a great return on it. That way they're always going to want to buy more. Right. Um, I mean, you have, obviously have bills to pay. and, and everybody, bills to pay. Of, of course. And the biggest downfall with selling direct to consumer is FET, which is people don't federal excise tax is right. something that they're going to take 11% of off, off the top. It's, it kills you if you don't think about it when you're doing a bomb. But in that case, it was great because COVID hits or COVID's getting ready to hit. And I think, I kid you not, in 2019, we only did manu we only machined parts. So, or excuse me, 2018, 2019, we launched our brand. We had built our, built our TAC rifle. Um, it's our ESG3 Which is funny. Let me pause yeah. you there briefly. But uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, you have a lot of uh, people come into my shop all the time and ask about, uh, start you know, getting their own FFL. Yeah. Which I'm like, hey, I'm more than willing to talk to you for 45 seconds about getting your NFL. <laughs> but if you want me to talk to you more than 45 seconds, actually, I offer an FFL consultation. Okay, it's really it's $250. I didn't know that you do that. Yeah, it's 250 bucks for just a straight up. I want to get an 01 FFL. Okay, if you want an 07, it's $450, and then if you want an SOT, it's $500 extra on top of that. Right. Nice. But that's what my time is time and extra yeah, is worth on that, right? And it, the first few people have done it. I mean, I sat down. I mean, I had to do buy me lunch one day, which I'm like, okay, that's like eleven dollars. <laughs> and I sat down. And I talked to this dude for like an hour and a half. I even told him what distributors to hit up or whatever. And then I realized, like, man, I'm like fueling my own competition. Yeah. So now with these FFL consultations that I offer, and I've done three or four, but I also make them sign a non compete clause oh, nice. in Dallas County. Wow. Like you cannot open an FFL. I don't care if it's a home base or whatever inside of this county. Now you can go six inches into Rockwall County yeah. for all I give a shit. That's fine. I don't care. I didn't know that, man. That's yeah. awesome. But you cannot, if you want me to give, I mean, like it's like a legally binding thing. I had an attorney drafted up and everything. Well, I mean, it's a good, it's a great point because of the fact that uh, people, I would say that the, the advice that you're giving people is, from you learning versus right because I didn't have people. someone oh, to we, teach me that. Well, we we've gotten multiple compliance people, multiple FFL experts, quote unquote experts that we've worked with. We ship guns outside of the United States, so we had to have somebody compliance wise. And I can't tell you, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, I know that's the most right. obvious thing in the world, but realistically, when you trust somebody with some, uh, something of a legal matter. 
it is horrifying when they're wrong once and then you mm-hmm. start questioning them. Uh, so much to the point that we actually, our compliance lady that we have right now, she does a fine job on all things exporting. Internally, I rely heavily on myself, uh, Leland, you actually, you know, any questions I have right. or people that we'll do work with, whether it's predominantly variance work, um, but just, you know, just feeling them out for, hey, how did it go in the past? How did you guys like it in the past? Was there anything that was a little questionable? Uh, and that, that's kind of helped us. Which there's here. been several times where, uh, like, for example, when like nine millimeter was really tough to get. Okay. Which one? What is it? Nine mil, like just nine millimeter. Yeah, yeah, When it was yeah. really tough to get. I had an opportunity to buy, like I'm talking, I could have probably bought a million rounds if I wanted it from Serbia. And I had this person contact me. I mean, it was like 11 cents around, like some of like just yeah. ridiculously low price. Right. And I was and on, on paper, most people would be like, Oh my God, dude, that price is, this is when, this is when nine lemon was selling for like 80 cents around. Yeah. Right. So obviously people were like, Oh my God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But then I stopped and I was like, okay, I was talking to this lady about it. And I was like, okay, well, who's, who's going to pay the excise tax? The what? Well, someone has to the pay the excise fee, tax. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of hands that this ammo is going to go through before it reaches Garland, comma, Texas, yeah, right? So exactly who's right. going to pay for all this stuff when it gets here? Well, once they started realizing, oh, shit, like this might, you know, 11 cents around very, very, cents. very quickly turns into 35, which very quickly turns into 60, yeah. which all of a sudden now I'm only making 20 cents yeah. around. Which, you got a whole warehouse full Exactly, which making twenty cents a round off a mil, you know, a million rounds—that's a massive investment and not a crazy profit margin. And then I have to move a million rounds of Serbian ammunition in the United States market, which a lot of people don't realize that. And it's the same thing with like a lot of these dudes who want to open up their little O seven O twos and all this other shit. Oh, I can crank out ARs faster than I can crank out AR. Oh, oh, Bracebill has a six week turnaround. Sons Liberty has a yeah. Four or five month turnaround. I'm in, I'm in, ADM has a nine month turnaround. I can turn around ARs faster. I'm sure you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I sure can. I mean, I'm I, sure you can. I can assemble. I can assemble probably. If that's all I'm doing, I can probably assemble twenty ARs a day. Now, is it done properly? Hey, that's that's for that's for Jesus Christ and duct tape to decide. Yeah. Right. But aside from that too, but okay, if you manufacture more than seventy five firearms a year, you're subject to the ITAR. Yeah. Which, okay, that's an additional, what was it, like uh, 9%, 10%? We did, uh, shoot, I honestly, off, off the top of my head, I don't know, but we, I mean, just having somebody, we have, we're I, we're an ITAR facility, right. we have a full-time compliance person, I mean, so 40 grand, I mean. Oh, it's, on, it's a lot of money. Dude. On top of, on top of, that, that's, I'm talking just having somebody do it, whether that's part-time or full-time, it's just, it's, there's, to, to those people that are thinking about doing it. Um, I mean, look, if you're only manufacturing 74 rifles a year, it's not bad. Right, right, right. You can make a decent amount of money. I can do this and and make a full-time job out of it. It's it's not happening, dude. So, It's not happening. Without a doubt, um, you know, I I did exactly what you're talking about with Serbian ammo. We do a lot of various work for various uh, manufacturers or 07s. I wouldn't say uh, I kind of, I, I humble myself, I take a lot of pride when we say we manufacture because we're talking in particular machining. 
You're not assemblers. We're not assemblers. We're manufacturers. Which Nothing. I, fun fact, I had my 07. No, I know. I, I know. I know that. I, know I had that. my 07, but I never once told anyone that I was like a manufacturer of firearms. Like, yeah, it's, no, it's no, a no. manufacturer's license. So yeah, I, I assemble firearms as a difference, right? Without a doubt. And we did a lot of, just in that case of bringing stuff in to, to speak on that point, we worked with multiple manufacturers and they were totally fine with getting material at, at the time that ammo was hard to get forgings were impossible to get. Mm -hmm. So what was the easiest way? Well, when I speak to customers and say, Hey, look, so, um, brass and aluminum, they're 18 months out, uh, anchor Harvey's another 12 months out and Cardinals out by 36 months, but they're not taking orders right now. So I got to call them every day. So who, what do you guys want to do? Well, are there any other options? There is another option. We can go overseas if you want. I personally, would not advise that way. It's going to be cheaper on y'all, but you don't necessarily know what you're getting. And, and in many cases, it's not that bad. So in this instance, it was um, bringing product in from uh, a foreign country. And just what you said is I had to bring, I had to do all the communication overseas. And then you think, okay, I'm going to buy 10,000 forgings, man, we're going to, we're going to run and gun. In this case, it was for, a part in particular um, that we had the forging made for and you get them in, you buy 5,000 and they say it's going to ship on December 1st. Oh shit. Cargo containers are really hard to get because mm -hmm. the bearing straight or whatever the hell the, the straight of Gibraltar, I don't even know what the hell it is, yeah. is clogged right now. Okay. Can I get my ship? It's going to be a little bit longer. So you're thinking, okay, well I got this person that's doing my, that's doing the uh, brokering for me. And I've got them on a, a, you know, like a little retainer. So how long? Two months go by. Okay, now you just dropped another two grand. And then it comes in, somebody's gotta be there, not physically, but somebody has to be on the phone when it goes in, within 24 hours, they have to call and claim. It. Who who told me that? Yeah. I was never told I that shit. I think the shit. funniest thing was, so when I had opened and I was talking to a few different people about just, I just needed ammo, dude. I just need ammo to put on the shelf in my shop. And I had, I had gotten a call from a dude that he was a corpsman when I was in the Marine Corps. He lives in Bosnia now. Nice. So he was Great Bosnian. He was Bosnian, joined the Navy, got his green card after, I guess he did a few years or whatever. You know, he moved back to Bosnia. So he called me, hey, buddy, uh, you know, I know you open a gun store. You're probably having, you know, trouble Good getting a mission. I said, I am. Yeah, what you got? He said, listen, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna say his name, but uh, I, I love the dude to death. He called me and he was like, hey, uh, if you want, I can get you, you know. It, was, it wasn't a terrible amount, but it was like 200,000 rounds of ammunition. I can get you you know, rifle primers and all that stuff. And this is at the peak of COVID. And a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people thought that the ammunition shortage had a lot to do with the United States government and embargoes. And they're trying to, you know, hold a brother down and not yeah. be able to get, it had nothing to do with that. Right. So the main thing about the whole, like sort of trickle down effect, right? So you had these mining facilities, you had all these ammunition manufacturers that shut down shut for down. X amount of months. Uh, they had all this stuff on, on the shelf when they left, but when they came back to work, all the stuff was gone because it was all sold. And then on top of that, now they have a, an unsurmountable amount of back orders. And they, they were taking orders. Right. This whole time they were taking orders, accepting money and all this other stuff. So my buddy called me. He said, hey, I can get you all this ammo from, you know, Bosnia, whatever, whatever. He said, do you have a passport? 
I said, yes, I have a passport. He said, well, can you fly to Bosnia? He said, I have a friend that I can get you in contact with. He just can't be the sort of like lead on the deal, like the that broker sort of Sounds position. Like it basically was, right? So I was like, okay, like, you know, like, so my Bradley Cooper in this situation, yeah. you know, like I, I, he's, he's making the yeah, deal, but he glasses. can't be a part of the deal sort of thing. So I was like, okay, this is, this Red is like, number one. this is, this is weird. So I was like, okay, well, I was like, you know, like I knew the dude from, you know, I met him twice when I was in the ring Corps. he was at a different unit and everything, but I was like, Hey, like, obviously he had my personal number and you know, whatever, whatever. So I'll give him the benefit of that. And the more the story progressed, the weirder it got. Oh man. And so I was like, man, I don't know, dude, this seems like really weird. I mean, I'm fine with going to Bosnia. Right, I, don't, right. I don't care about, you know, flying or going or anywhere or whatever, but I'm like, why can't this dude, which also I had a problem with spending that much money and buying stuff sight unseen. Yeah. Which I understand it's ammo and right. it's like whatever, but also it's, it's that much. It's a ammo. lot. This yeah. is a lot of volume. Like I'm talking like I was taking in, it was like $225,000 worth of stuff that we were going to get. But I mean, it was going to be broken up between like four gun stores in the DFW area. And so like, I had already talked to the dudes about it and they're like, Hey, I'll pay whatever. I'm even willing to, I'm even willing to pay you more than what you're paying for it. Like, so essentially like we were going to get like 50,000 rounds of nine mil free after the dust settled i came back now i had fifty thousand rounds of nine mil that were just on the house basically All right but even that wasn't enough to convince me to go to bosnia and deal with all this bullshit because when it got down to it it's like okay this is cool like the price is great you know i can probably look past the red flags but again who's responsible for the taxes yeah, I mean, not not only that. I mean, the like you said, the sight unseen is the is the fact that yeah, it, and then it also gets the whole cargo it, ship. You well, know, let's the, just the, say the, it gets here and it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't come you know meet. It's not up to snuff in regards to how it performs. And then the first guy you get is like, "Hey, man, took the ammo out. It didn't. None of it worked." Yeah, you I know, shot like fifty rounds. Three million, of them. Quarter of a million dollars. Oh my gosh! And then you what? know what the biggest thing is? I learned this. This is God's honest truth. The minute you get it, you call. Let's say something's wrong with it. Beep beep beep. Mm-hmm. Six months down the road, you finally moved it. Whether it was because you lost your ass or because you had to throw it away or whatever the case is. You had your or buddy sell it decided, for hey, I'm yeah. gonna, I'll buy it all for me for a hundred bucks. That guy will then call again and be like, hey, buddy, you need more ammo? We got a whole bunch of it now. So it's just, it's one of those things. And I think this goes back to something that I thought of when you when you asked me the question of why why us, why our company, Braceville, uh, not to put anything on it, but it's really, I think more now more than ever, buying local has got so much power to it. I know people say that shit all the time. I'll buy local. I support local. But it's it's one of those things that you don't realize. When you can see what you're getting, there's so much more peace of mind. And once you figure out the hard way of, oh, shit, that would have been a whole lot easier. Yeah. There's, of course, people out there, myself included, sometimes where I'm like, I'll just buy it from Amazon. I'll buy that, that Trigicon armor. Fuck it. I'll just buy it from Amazon. I'll see yeah. how it goes. Who cares? Oh, why, does it why did it work? Why does the Trigicon have a G inside of it or a J instead of a G or whatever the case is? Yeah, like, it doesn't have the Bible scripture on the side shit. of it, so who cares? Right? Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. So it's like 
supporting supporting and you get you really get that with i mean because i mean obviously like you you have some company, like for example sons of liberty their their warranty is amazing yeah right i can run over their yeah, rifle with my truck yeah. i can call mike mitsubishi you know uh he plasters his personal number all over facebook all the time and that's great that's that's what we expect out of like a a sort of small business yeah um but the main thing is like, like for example, like we're going through the whole process of uh, I'm probably changing auto and home insurance and everything like that because State Farm, their rates went up. I was talking to my dad about it. My dad worked for State Farm for like 30 something years. So he's like, man, Keenan, I get it. Like you're obviously going to save, you know, $2,500 a year, which is a lot of money yeah. for one specific expense. Hell yeah. Right. 2500 bucks a year is a lot. And he's like, yes, I understand you're going to save that. But he said a lot of these other companies, so we're going with Liberty. I'm probably going to go with Liberty Mutual. Yeah. Which isn't exactly a podunk like Limu, Emu, and yeah, all that yeah. shit, right? So uh, I was talking to my dad about it and everything, and my friend Hillary sort of helped us through the process. She's like an insurance broker. But my dad was saying, like, man, a lot of these other companies to make a claim is like a 1 800 number. Whereas with State Farm, there's an agent, a local agent. If I want a bitch, I can drive up to that to office, office yeah. and I can bitch to a human being. And it's the same thing with brace build. Yeah. Right? If I have an issue with a gun, I go to you. Yeah. Like, I physically yeah. go to you. I go to the little and secretary yeah, you, who's you, been there since 530 in the morning yeah. and I say, hey. Tell uh, Gabe I'm here. Yeah. Tell Gabe I'm, I'm here and I'm not happy. I'm heated. Yes. Tell Gabe I'm here and I'm not happy about it. And that's the difference between, you know, a small business and like a sort of mass-produced company. Without a doubt. No, and I think it goes even more into knowing that what you get, I mean, the biggest downfall with doing anything related to what we do, which is predominantly, I'd say 75% of our business is gonna be, or is manufacturing for other companies within the firearm space. But really it's not just, we don't limit ourselves to that. We do oil and gas parts, we do, Telecom parts, um, automotive. But you right can't be now. a one-trick pony. It no, and especially when you have something that is vers as versatile as a machine that is made to manufacture. So um, it was. It's it's one of those things that I think when you can go to the source and and I know everybody. Like I said, the the, the unfortunate stance of everybody that manufactures is the the expectation is quality, which it should be. But really, when you can go there and see, okay, they're actually getting it made. They're actually doing it. They actually listen to people. I mean, a great example is we're going to do it. We were thinking, okay, we've got it. We've got a new handguard that we're going to do on our new guns. It should be out roughly in about a week. Which, gonna, before you talk about that, um, so Geisley, yeah, once a year they do like their blim sale, yeah, which is hilarious because I ordered a, a lower, a trigger, and a buffer tube. They were all blim. Yeah, all from their bloom sale. I bought it all from their bloom sale. They had a crazy sale. So I got a lower for like 60 bucks. A Geisley lower for like 60 bucks. I got an SSAE for, I don't even know, like 100 bucks. That's good. Great. I mean, so, that's my trigger, man. So the uh, the buffer tube had a scratch in it, which it's going to be covered by the stock. And yeah. first off, I'm a firm believer in all my guns are tools. I don't give a shit what they look yeah, like. Yeah. As long as when I pull the trigger, it works That'll and work. it slightly hits where I needed to hit, right? Yeah. I'm a believer in that. So I had to look at this trigger. Well, moreover the frame, I had to look at that frame for probably a good 45 seconds see before I found the blend. Which one was it? Oh, it was like a, it was like a machining defect. 
But like the coating was perfect. Yeah. But you had to just and like underneath the coating, you could see like a weird like Scratch. wave yeah. almost. Uh, but that was it. Wow. That was it. The coating is perfect. There's no scratch on it on the frame at all. Which I'm like, look, I don't give a shit about that anyway. Yeah. So, um, but I also, I need a, uh, I think I'm going to do, a, I'm going to SBR that Geisley lower. Uh, so I'll need a 12.5. Okay. With an ASR. So I got that KGM yeah. that you made me deal with those idiots. So I have a KGM uh, that I ordered an ASR mount for. So oh, that I, does work. It does. Work. I know it's the same device. I didn't know that. I thought it's the Bravo mount. The Bravo from Soundsco. Yeah. It's so short, it's shorter. I would assume because that's the one thing I tried doing the other day, which was an ASR is too long. It hits the first baffle. No, so you use the, the we use the the Bravo the ASR mount. So you screw in the ASR mount. Oh, oh, and so okay, it's okay, it's the QD for the yeah, ASR. Yeah, I got you, I got you. So, uh, but I have one on the well. Actually, I formed forward the demo that I wasn't supposed to do anything with. Yeah. I form forward it to myself. Oh, nice. So the trust attorney that we use, he gave me a free trust. So I was like, nice. Dude, so, awesome. so the demo KGM and then the free JK Armament 9 mil cam. I form forward them both to myself. So, but they're both displays at the shop. So if you want to come check it out, you can, yeah, you no, can I see the, uh, yeah, which I, I did, I did like it. I used the KGM. Uh, it's a very toasty can. That's the best way I can describe it. You know, I actually, I had, I, maybe I don't. I'm very. I use a 30 cal can on five, on five five six can. I mean, just, yes. I'm a firm believer in everyone should. Have and a my can. my five five six cans are not the greatest in the world because they are my dad's. I've been very lucky. We've been shooting suppressed before it was cool, so they were all AAC cans, and they were all they're nine inch cans. So I'm like, oh, Heavy five five six fun. isn't that bad, right? And then I what was it? We put on a. Uh, Shoot, we put on like a Sandman K, and I was like, oh short my boy. gosh, this is horrible. This mm -hmm. doesn't do anything." Which I and I, I understand now. I'm like, "God, oh, didn't really fit the bill which for what I was doing." I try so hard. So the first suppressor we ever sold in my shop was a Sandman K. Really? Only because they didn't have a Sandman S in stock, and also at the time I wasn't super well versed in like dead air cans. Um, so we have, I have a couple R KGM. Yeah, so I have a couple, basically. Yeah. So I have a couple R30Ks, which actually, fun fact, uh, my buddy told me, um, Ennis, Pawn, uh, a pawn shop. Yeah. They got audited by the ATF. They're a silencer shop gig. They got audited because obviously, so when the, it's weird. So when the Form 3 comes in, it says KGM made. But... On the suppressor, it says dead air. Right. So when they acquired it, they acquired it as a dead air can. Right. Which technically it's KGM because that's what the Form 3 says. Mm -hmm. So if you're an SOT and you're listening, when you get a Form 3 in, you acquire it as whatever the Form 3 says. It doesn't matter about anything yeah. else. Yeah. Whatever the Form 3 that's says. That's what I call, actually, that's one of the reasons when I called you uh, when we did those Lewisville guns because you, you helped out with the bipods. Yeah. It was like, hey, so I think I called it, I called you regarding the, the, cans because we don't we are an sot we don't the only suppressors we we do are for law enforcement um that being because we can help them out with the entire purchase of the, the system rather than just the weapon right and yeah it was one of those things that you're like it says here that same we go through the same thing with, it's just all that is is a variance right so whatever the form three says because that's what was 
That's what was submitted from the manufacturer. Yeah. So the what the information on the form three does not change from man, the actual manufacturer of the firearm to the retailer. So KGM makes the can. All right. KGM then sells the can to Dead Air. Right. Dead Air sells that can to RSR Group. Yeah. Right. RSR Group sells the can to Lateral Limits. Lateral Limits form fours it to the customer. So there's a lot of steps, but the important thing is that the information never changes because it physically can't. Because RSR is not the manufacturer. Right. Dead Air is technically not the manufacturer. Right. KGM is the manufacturer. So uh, the pawn shop that got audited, they got hemmed up because on their bound book, it all says Dead Air. But the Form 3s and Form 4s say KGM. So they were like, well, the suppressor says dead air, so you have to Form 4 it as a dead air, which is not physically possible right? because of the e-form system, right? If this was the old school, I can write whatever the hell I want to yeah. write, and then the ATF figures it out on the back end, which right. has happened a couple of times. But I physically can't. When I enter in the serial number, it auto-populates all the information that was that was given from the manufacturer. So they got audited. They, the ATF tried to pull their license because there was a discrepancy. So one, the pawn shop, I guess their saving grace is one that they do everything through silencer shop. So they're like, hey, uh, uh, yeah, this I has mean, nothing that, to do with us, right? Point. Yeah. Which is a, is a popular thing for silencer shop people uh, because they're like, hey, the, the paperwork has nothing to do with us, which makes sense. But then two, I could be like, no, the form three said this. I'm supposed to submit what the form. I can't. I actually couldn't submit anything different, even if I wanted to. Uh, okay. Right. So uh, that's that's a big deal right now. And so I how think do, how do you they hear about the, inner, out. The, the inner workings of this. You hear you you've got better ears to the ground. You must be. Yeah. So I'm like Lord Varys. Hard, hard Cherokees, right? You I have a lot hear, of little birdies. You're right on the ground and go. Yeah. So winds coming from the south. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it what well, that's important. Especially in our industry, because obviously of how volatile our industry is. Yeah. Because we have to constantly change. So obviously, when I found that out, I looked at my bound book, and obviously, I had to adjust some things because I'm I'm acquiring things as dead air, but it's actually a KGM product. So who is that? A who is that a screw up on the 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 distributor that you're buying them from? Not necessarily, but I mean, like when we acquire it, obviously I get a dead air Sandman S. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. I need to acquire, I'm going to acquire it as a dead air Sandman S because that's what it is. Yeah. Right. I think, I think it's irrelevant on who manufactured the product. I don't, I don't think it should matter what my bound book says compared to what I'm form for in. Yeah. Um, when I submit it for a suppressor, because theoretically I should be going off what it says. Yeah. It's the whole, it's the same process as like, what's the difference between a frame and a receiver? You know, frame is obviously stripped. The receiver, I have a buffer tube on. Right. Who gives a shit? Like, it does the same thing. It's a, like, caliber, multi. Yeah. Even though, like, uh, do y'all put multi on your oh. on your frames? So, some company, like Geisley, the, the, the Geisley frame that we got, it says, like, 5.56 five, on it. But we have to acquire it as a multi-caliber frame. Because it's a frame. Because it's, it's a frame. A it's not a receiver. And there's no upper attached to it that designates a specific caliber. Which I think is bullshit, because I can acquire a rifle that is designated as five five six six eight SPC, whatever it is, right? Yeah. But the frame will still say multi. But when I put caliber, I have to put the caliber yeah. that I oh, received yeah, it yeah. as because yeah. I'm a manufacturer, which I think is stupid. 
But if it was the other way around, the ATF can try to hem me up for it, which obviously I'm not an idiot, and I can easily argue with an ATF agent till we're both blue in the face. But, I mean, they're shutting down, down gun stores left and right over stupid shit like that. It's almost like no matter what I do or how I do it, I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, uh, that's kind of one of the... Like, well, Keenan, the frame says multi. Why'd you acquire it as a 5.56? I don't fucking know. Maybe because yeah. the barrel <laughs> says 5.56 NATO. Like, maybe that's how I should require it. My my dad had a... So during COVID, peak of COVID, a guy comes in from Bloomberg, which very far-leaning uh, left in this right. case um, for talking politics. We don't need to, but it's, it's, uh, the guy comes in and we're an ITAR facility. So when you, when you come in, as long as you're not a friend, you have to sign in. You have to sign in. Technically we're supposed to do a back, there's supposed to be a background check and you're supposed to come into the shop. So that is our rule. That is in. So how do you do the background check? Brace manufacturing requires is depending. There's a, there's a whole bunch of rules, but basically the reason why we did it is because when we first started the development of our bolt gun, our action in particular was for a foreign country. Um, that being that they had their generals come in and we had to do paperwork for them to come in. They had to wear a certain badge when they went, whether it was to go take a piss or go take a dump or I needed to go, I don't know, whatever you were going to go do in the bathroom, that's up to you, but there's going to be somebody right there waiting for you. So right. when we started um, the development of that, it was like, this is this is the, the strict format of what we're going to do. Then, like what you're saying right now is, is that, that it's, it's, there's so many complexities, but my dad brings this guy in, or this guy comes in from Bloomberg and he's like, Hey, I want to interview guy. This is literally, Oh no, this was after the Uvalde shooting. Mm -hmm. So Uvalde happens. This guy shows up the next day. And I'm like, Bridget, five 30 in the morning. She comes in. She's like, Hey, there's a guy from Bloomberg wants to interview. Like, I'm going to shut this down real fast. I'm not, I'm going to be his very, Super nice guy, very approachable. I just said, hey, look, man, I'm not the guy to talk to. There's nobody here that is comfortable talking to you right now due to the circumstances of what went on. Also, our current president at the time was not there. My dad wasn't there. My mom wasn't there, which my mom is technically our CEO. Um, so unfortunately, I can't. Oh, I flew in from Florida. And I said, well, I apologize. You, you know, Typically, if you're going to go interview somebody, I would assume that you would make an appointment too. So I'm a firm believer in like, Poor planning on anyone's part should never instigate like an emergency response in mind. I I love that, and I unfortunately am the worst. I think I'm gonna get a tattoo with that, dude. Actually. I'm the worst when it comes to peer pressure. I'm like, it'll it'll make you happy. Oh, it, I'm a people pleaser. I'm also like, I'm a, I'm a sales guy, and so this guy comes in, and then basically, long story short, we said, hey, just make, give me your card. I'll give it to my dad. My dad's a talker. My dad majored in political science. He loves talking politics, loves talking theoreticals and, and everything else going on in the world. So he interviews this guy. This guy interviews my dad, excuse me, for six hours, um, comes back from Florida. And the entire time we're talking about the ATF, because this guy had it all wrong. We gave him the full shop tour. He did his paperwork to come in um, and in that case, sat down pictures, photography of whatever we were allowing him to take pictures of and was just dumbfounded by the end, just completely dumbfounded. And and it's mind boggling to me with how many people are getting shut down due to the ATF. What you, well, you've got a lot, like I said, you've got a lot better beat on it or pulse on it than what we do because we're just like, 
We make this stuff all day, every day. Yeah, and I don't think they go after 07s as much as they go after just like retail. Because there's so much gray area that's in, that is, it, it, when I think about it, it's scary. Thank God we have a person that does it, but I sit yeah. there and I think about it and it's like, all right, but so it what happens when we make it almost doesn't matter. Like you can have someone like me, right? You can hire me and you can have someone that's so freaking amazing at compliance they're still going to find something. Oh, we find it all the time. We do internal audits all the time. And it's crazy how little it would take them to shut down a place. So the place that I was telling you about, the pawn shop yeah. in... Uh, yeah. And um, so they they wanted them to uh, surrender their license over this whole dead air KGM fiasco. And the pawn shop was like, no. <clears throat> Which a lot of places will bow down to it because they'd be like, oh, well, I mean, shit, dude, I, I fucked up so bad that they're asking me to surrender my license. I'll do it. Which if you're listening, you're a, you're an FFL and the ATF asks you to surrender your license, respectfully tell them to fuck the ride off. So, for example, right, they come into my shop, they find something like, let's say, uh, I don't know, I, I fucked up and I, I put a dash where it doesn't belong on a form four, which is possible. And they can shut me down for that, for the simplest of clerical errors. Or 4473s. Right. They'll, they'll ask you, Keenan, uh, you know, with this mistake and the amount of trace requests, which I think is bullshit. Like as if I have any power over what you do with your own personal property. As soon as you, as soon as you leave my shop, they're shutting down stores for trace requests amounts. Uh, which first off, I'll argue till I'm absolutely blue in the face about that. But they'll shut down stores for something as simple as that. They'll ask you, say, Keenan, you know, with the three clerical errors that we found over the, mind you, it is uh, November 9th. We did an audit on Saturday. We've done 1,800 4473s this year. Okay. Obviously, that's not all sales of a lot of transfers. Right. But I've done 1,800 4473s this year. So the ATF is going to say, well, Keenan, out of the 1,800 4473s this year that you've done, we found seven clerical errors. And with the 14 trace requests that we've received, we're going to go ahead and we're going to shut you down. So we're requesting that you surrender your license. That's what they're doing. That they're doing shit like that. So I will literally look said ATF agent in the face and say, you can call my attorney. You can climb right up the flagpole and you can grab my license if you deem it, you know, if you deem it. So the best thing to do if you're an FFL and you're basically told, hey, you need to surrender your license is one, fight it. Because one, you're saving yourself. You're giving, I'm giving myself about a week. Okay. So the proper avenue is if the ATF wants to revoke my license, they're, I have, they have to put me in front of the director of the Dallas Field Division, lay out all the evidence that they have. Okay. And the director has to look me in the face and say, we're, you know, you're, you're forfeiting it, whether you want to or not, we're, we're withdrawing your license, but that, that buys me about a week. Okay. Okay. And in that week, it gives me time to one lawyer up two figure out what I need to figure out about my life. And then three, I can move my inventory. If I hand over my license today, business stops today. Like if I hand you my license, it's over yeah. right now. But if I say, no, ma'am, if you want to take this from me, you're going to have to take this from me. It gives me a week to one, move inventory. So, for example, I can call you yeah. and say, hey, bro, listen, man, I'm in a fucked up spot. I got to yeah. move about 60 guns today. 
I don't need you to buy them. I just need to transfer them to you until yeah. I figure to figure my life out, right? And obviously, we all have friends in the industry, of course. right? I can yeah. box everybody, everything up. Everybody's always got there's a, there's a, yeah, right? And obviously, I would expect that. the same thing out of you of for you to call me and be like, Keenan, I need to I move this shit right now. Guns. Done, done, right? Uh, you without well, yeah, yeah. Leland may have to sleep at my shop and mm-hmm. guard guard your you know five hundred thousand dollars of inventory, yeah. you know, for the night. But that's fine, and we expect that from one another. Right. It's like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But it gives me about a week to figure that out. Like, for example, if I call my first bro and he's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry, I can do that. Yeah. No worries. Cool. Call the second dude. Hey, man, I can take half the inventory, yeah. but the other half won't be covered by, by my insurance, whatever, whatever, whatever. It gives me a week to move my non-NFA stuff. But also in that week, the ATF will approve all of my pending form fours like that. Really? And it's happened several times. So they'll approve everything. So if you submitted a form four with me three weeks ago, you're going to get approved just like the dude who submitted the form four seven, eight, nine months ago, right? So they're going to batch approve everything. They don't give a shit about clerical letters. They'll approve everything because they want my books to be clear in that week. But so, for example, the dude that lawyered up, which actually it's in Rowlett. So there was there was a shop in uh, uh, Ennis, and then there's also the shop in Rowlett that I I had told you about. Uh, so at first that he said, I'll lawyer, uh, I'll, I'll surrender it, but I'll surrender it in the morning. Just give me, give me some time. I need to talk to my wife and you know, whatever. But in that few hours, he called his attorney and the attorney was like, absolutely not. Do not. Right. ATF showed up the next morning expecting the hand over his, his FFL. And he's like, you know what? I had a change of heart. Here's the number for my attorney. Have the director of the field division contact my attorney. And all of a sudden, their demeanor changed. Well, no, 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 no. No need to rush. Relax. Think about the decision. No, I did. I did. The decision is contact my attorney. It only takes an ounce of resistance on your part. They've revoked more FFLs in the last six months than in like the history of the ATF combined. Hold. So they, yeah, they're out to get, I mean, they're, they're, they're pulling, on which hunt. They're pulling ATFs, left, they're pulling FFLs left and right. But the main thing is FFLs aren't fighting back. They're not showing any sort of resistance. If you show any form of resistance, unless you do some really nefarious right. shit. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. talking, no, I, I, no. like you do some, like. Wasn't that one that you're talking about? A little. Oh, yes. The one that I was telling you about that really did some shady yeah. shit. He's still operating. Because he showed an out. So if you can do all the shit that I told you about and all you do is show an ounce of resistance and you still have an operational FFL, he went from getting his license revoked to having a stern talking to just by saying, you know what? I had a change of heart. I don't want to do this anymore. So is that why you think that manufacturers are a little different because of the fact that the volume that we're putting out is something that is keeping people in the industry. I don't think they care as much about ITAR and federal excise taxes and stuff like that. I think they care more about the actual, like not B2B, but as more of like business to individual. So I think they're mostly, they mostly care more right now about uh, like, for example, right now they're on a witch hunt against pawn shops and they they had to do the same thing within the, in the, uh, the Clinton era. So when, when Clinton was president, they did the same shit. I never, yeah. Yeah. So they went after pawn shops mostly because I'll be honest, most, yeah. most weird sort of nefarious sort of transactions. Is that your pawn shop? That's is that pawn open shops? Open at 11 o'clock at night. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you have these dudes who are buying, you know, $65 pistols 
Which yeah. I'm not gun store that doesn't happen. Like Cobra. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, high points and shit like that. Back when high points were cheap, now they're like a hundred, you know, two hundred bucks. But so like at my shop, I don't really sell uh, the the cheapest pistol that I have right now is three hundred and fifty dollars, and that's a Taurus GX four. I like I have a I have a what's the cheap cheap Taurus? G G three C? Yeah, I have one for like three hundred bucks. That's the cheapest pistol that I have, just because I kinda ha I'm in Garland, I have to cater to that clientele yeah. as well. So I'm gonna have, you know, statistically less less trace requests if my price is higher, right? Because I have dudes that aren't buying a seventy-five dollar pistol than a pawn shop would. Yeah. So they really harp out their pawn shops, but I'm sure once they, you know, clean up all the blood from the pawn shops, they're at they're gonna place. start going after your your smaller brick and mortar stores and your even your home based FFLs. Uh, yeah, so what? Yeah, that 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 leads to a question that I've never explored because I I'm I really am outside of the con compliance realm of our business. So not not that I don't understand what's going on, but I don't necessarily get involved. So when you when you when I hear about these home base FFLs, I understand the what you have to go through to get it. I under, I've got multiple people that I know that have them, but why is that not a why? Yeah, why is that not a target? Because that just sounds like, hey, I'm a big gun guy. I've got some money. I'm going to get my own FFL. I get deals now. I can get my buddy's deals now. So it yeah, just so sounds the, like it's For the most part, when it comes to home-based FFLs, the IRS actually targets them more than the ATF does. Ah, uh, okay. Because the IRS really harps more on – so, like, obviously, as a retail business, I buy things that are tax-exempt. Right. Be under the guise of when I sell them, someone will pay sales tax for them. Yeah. Right? So – Obviously, in the volume that I have, and there's sort of a variance that's sort of allowed for either mistakes or obviously it's understood that as a business owner, I buy things for myself. Yeah. Right. So, but like, for example, like as a, as a home-based FFL, if I'm buying, you know, $200,000 worth of product a year, but when I do my monthly uh, sales tax report to the Texas Secretary of State, I'm only showing $6,200 you know, a quarter yeah. or whatever. Obviously there's a, there's a discrepancy Discrepancy's that needs yeah. to be figured out. So the IRS really harps more on like your home-based FFLs than the ATF does. Gotcha. Because the ATF understands that there's bigger fish to fry. Oh yeah. You know, and then also, you know, to audit, for example, how many 4473s have you all done this year? A lot. I mean, is it more than like 2000? No, I mean, I would say a lot for one individual, but no, not, not more than 2000. So, for example, uh, ours are all paper. Oh God, y'all don't do any electronic. We just just now did that. Uh, I'm gonna con. I'm gonna put you in contact. Well, who do y'all use now for? It was uh, Frost. Okay, so I use Gunstore Master. Oh no, yeah. Oh, who do we use for? Uh, I thought you meant our our local agent. Uh, we use. Uh, Oh my gosh, EGOS, E-G-O-S-S, -S, which is a pain in the ass, but Leland, when he was at CYA, he was like, dude, get Gun Store Master. And I was like, I know, Keenan already told me. He goes, yes. dude, fucking way easier. There's not a gazillion books that you can, because ours do, so we get this question all the time, is when you make something, what book does it go into? How do you put it in there? Because we're making, so let's just say we're making. Yeah, now I don't know. I don't know how it is for the manufacturing side. Right, right, right. I don't, I don't like, know how it's it the works. same. He basically said, look. The CYA manufacture their own stuff? They 
got this with the intent of manufacturing. Right. And this well, is, okay. And so, yes, hey, yes. Leland, this is, learn the system. And so he's like, dude. I mean, I literally have the text. He's like, you, you guys have to get Gunstore Master. So but, when I had my 07, I used Gunstore Master with, and my point of sales QuickBooks. And they, they like mesh with one another, which is amazing. Okay. So uh, they do have a manufacturing book in Gunstore Master. I'm not the most knowledgeable in it because I, you know, when I had my 07, I probably manufactured, and I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see, right. but I'm, I probably manufactured less than 10 guns okay. during that time. Basically, I would just buy an upper and a lower yeah. and so what marry was, them together. Is, it, is there any pitfalls with, with Guns or Master? I don't think there are. I love using Guns or Master. I think it's great uh, because it, it puts everything under one roof. So you have my acquisition, my disposition, my 4473s, everything. And then on top of that too, for example, I have, which would be great because obviously you and I do a lot of business together. Yeah. I bring a lot of stuff for Leland to mess with. Yeah. Uh, if, if you have Gunstore Master and I have Gunstore Master, I dispose of serial number ABC123. Yeah. It automatically sends you an email if you have Gunstore Master that says incoming transfer. Oh, that's badass. When you type in the serial number one time, it's like, hey, is this from lateral limits? You click let. Yes. And it automatically inputs all the information that I put. What Obviously, you verify it, but right. I'm talking make, you know, model, manufacturer, model description, caliber. It does all that stuff for you. And then you just click yes, I verified it. Done. Damn, and it automatic. It even automatically puts my FFL number. Oh, so yeah, acquisition and disposition. So they we've got to do. We've got to do every no. every single thing. So now this is only for if if the incoming transferee also has Gunstore Master. That's the uh, only okay. thing that it'll yeah, do. Yeah, I got you. But it's so, something that's people are getting. Right, but I mean, it keeps your electronic bound book. Obviously, we. I still print the forty four seventy threes. I think technically it's electronic yeah. compliant. Uh, but I still print every single 4473. Now, when it comes to my bound book, I don't print it. Yeah. Because uh, the ATF said they really don't care as much on the bound book side as they do the 4473s. Gotcha. The 4473s, they want four or five agents to be able to flip through the 4473s. Yeah. So I show up and be like, hey, here's the stack of transfers. Here's the stack of no sales, no transfers. <clears throat> Look through them as you see fit. And then they normally have one agent that hands me a USB drive. I plug it into my computer. There's my bound book. Fucking kill it. I don't care. Right. And then, uh, hey, what, you know, then they normally have one agent that's like, hey, uh, all of your serialized items, where are they? Okay, cool. All the handguns are out on the shelf. All the all the long yeah. guns are here. Da, 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 right. So that's normally how it works when it comes to an audit. Now, granted, I've never been through like a legitimate audit before, but also that's sort of how it works. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Gunstore Master is amazing because it also flags certain things if there's an error. Like, for example, it'll tell me, like, Keenan, this is a North Carolina resident. Oh, or, shit, it will. Yeah, or it'll say, like, hey, the the last name that you entered and the last name that they entered are different. Or it'll even say, like, hey, this person edited this answer. Like, the yeah. answer that says, you know, the question that asks, like, are you addicted to marijuana? They originally yeah. clicked no, but they changed right. it to yes. So so then this is just, this is, this can be off topic, but what... You could even take this how you want it, but there had there I have I have called in a forty four seventy three before in the past, right? That, For the background check you're talking the about. Background check, yeah. That the person fills it out exactly how it's supposed to be, 
and you read it out exactly how how they wrote it down and you see that there's an error and they they proceed you like it's somebody's business when you say error with what let's just say there's an error in Let's just say there's an error in that in a critical information, not one of the yes or no questions. Like an identifying, identifying. Like let's say, yeah, let's say they misspelled last, their last name. They misspelled their exactly. So all that needs that, to be corrected before you call in for the background check. So the forty-four seventy-three needs to be perfect before I submit. Right, right. No, I get that. I get. That. I totally get that. But I'm saying, okay. So I call, let's say I call it in though, and I read it off and I spell it out. And why is that though that they then go proceed? Even then, you're like, oh shit. Well, when there's multiple, well, when there's multiple identifying factors. So if you say, oh, well, it's Keenap Alamo instead of Keenan. Yeah. Right. Obviously, when they input my social security number, and my date of birth, and my driver's license number, all those identifying factors will match uh, the correct information, and obviously they'll understand that. So that okay. So that's exactly what I'm talking. About. Yeah. Okay. All right, Stevie. Thank you. Maybe saying we need to wrap it up. Well, we are at a minute, uh, an hour and forty-four minutes. So yeah, yeah, we're, pretty good. We're getting pretty close. So uh, with our closing remarks, because apparently Mama said it's time yeah. for us, fun time for closing us to, time. Which I mean, we can always do another episode too. This has been a pretty eventful one. So uh, with all of what we talked about, manufacturing, sort of in-house variants, work, things like that. So uh, and we even talked, you know, briefly touched based on your. Potential slash pass for distributorships. Yeah. Uh, what's next for Brace Built or Modern Outfits? So what what is next for Brace Built, Brace Manufacturing? So we're on the hunt right now. Um, currently, currently we do uh, an array of parts. So whether that's variances for bolt guns, uh, lowers, upper receivers, hand guards, or anything in that realm. Uh, we have also do uh, charging handles. For other firearm companies as well, we also have our own our own brand right now, which is Brace Built. We do long guns being AR-10s and AR-15s and bolt guns. We do pistols, which are not the most popular in the world right now due to pistol braces. But right. we are coming out with a new handguard here in the next probably 10 days. We're looking at a configuration from your six inch all the way up to your 15 inch that being for an ar-15 it won't be which any, i'm still waiting on my demo bolt gun though and i will have you a demo bolt gun we're looking at trying to do a lightweight hunting hunt a more lightweight that's what i want i'll gun. wait for that one so one of the things that we've thought about doing as of recent is, is we've got nailed down the accuracy guarantee we have a sub half moa guarantee with match grade ammo on our actions we do it all in-house that being the manufacturing of the bolt, the knob, the componentry inside, the action. It's a single piece bolt, single piece action. Um, what we look to do is take that same configuration that we use for military law enforcement, scale it down, make it more compact, make it lighter. That way that your guy can put it in his backpack and it has all these same accessor accessorized um, capabilities that of an AR-15. So we're hoping to do that here in January. And other than that, just keep on chugging along and, and taking up as much work as we can. Cool, man. Well, I'll try and get some more variants work for you guys. And then in the meantime, if any of our customers, whether it be Brace Built or Lateral Limits, are interested in purchasing 
any embraceable products, obviously you can contact us. Of course. Uh, if they can't get it through us, how can they get in contact with Bracebuilt? If they can't get it through Keenan and through Lateral Limits, uh, then you most likely can't get it at all. But I would say that the easiest way would be going to our website, which is www.bracebuilt.com. And if you've got anything regarding manufacturing, it's going to be www.bracebuiltmfg.com. That regarding the manufacturing variance work of that nature. And we are looking to put out an accessory line in 2023 as well. So scope rings and, and things of that nature as well. Cool. And then obviously if, uh, any custom circuit work will pretty much have to go through me anyway. That's right. That's right. So yeah, if anything, it's, it's going to be outside of our realm. We are a manufacturer, so we kind of stick to our bread and butter being what we offer on our website is what you can get from a dealer, but that is not all of what you can get from a dealer. If there's something that you want that's customizable, you talk to that individual, Keenan in particular, he you know relays the message and we get it built from there on out. Everything is gonna be machined in-house. It's gonna be test fired in-house, lifetime warranty, very similar to that of Suns, which is you know any, any part on the firearm that is damaged um, or is, what's the word, foobar, then we are going to replace right. the part. Um, that, the only the only limitation is is going to be if the firearm is a secondhand user and it gets destroyed. That is kind of right. where our which actually I got to shoot uh, one of your rifles today. Uh, I did a private training session with uh, one of my Croatian customers, Dominic. Uh, he did like a private training session, which we do offer for those of you who are interested. Uh, it's seventy five dollars an hour. Oh, cool for like individual one on one training and uh, that fourteen five from Brandon. Yeah, he bought the fourteen five. Did so he really? I went out today and I, you know, we worked with him one on one. Oh, I sweet. got the sighted in and everything, so that was fun. It's a good time. But anyway, I digress. So we'll start start diving down now. Uh, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking with what you said. So a big reason for my individual podcast in the name of Cheap Therapy, which I don't know if you knew that was yeah, the name, I do. is uh, sort of uh, as a man. Uh, we don't really get to talk about sort of how things make us feel and yeah. problems that we have. We sort of have to bottle up our emotions, which is sort of the reason for the podcast. It gives us sort of an outlet to talk to people and just sort of get things off of our chest. So uh, with that being said, uh, fellas, if there's any issue or even women, if there's any issue that you have in your life that you just feel like, man, like my life is better off ended. I promise you that it's not. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 988. It's a simple three-digit number now. You can literally call it as a consummate professional 24 hours a day that will happily talk you off that ledge uh, at any given time. Or if you have any issues or complaints or anything like that, you're more than welcome to swing by the shop. We're in Garland. Uh, or call us, 972-836-0565. We'll be happy to, to just shoot the shit with you and, and either whether it be text or or phone call or whatever. So we're happy to, to chat with you guys at any time. So uh, guys, uh, without further ado, I, I really appreciate, uh, this has been one of our longer episodes of the podcast, but we had a great time uh, talking about, you know, firearms manufacturing, things like that with Gabe over at Brace Built and Garland. So uh, Gabe, thank you so much for hopping on. Man. It, was, course, it was a pleasure. Man. Anything so. we can do to help, uh, I think we should do a Christmas giveaway at some point. That could work. That could work. Or, so, or in, so you let me know what works. Definitely, definitely. I'll definitely have you on. I might have. A, I might buy another mic and have you and Leland on at the same time. That'd be dicey. Man. That'd be pretty interesting. That would be. Leland's not a big talker, though. I don't think he is. If you if you're comfortable enough. Oh, he he'll get comfortable enough. He's got he's got more insight on the on the. If I put a couple shiner box in front of him, oh, he'll get yeah. pretty comfortable. 
and he's got more insight in, into this just because he's been doing it for so long. And it's kind of that topic of gunsmith versus gun builder kind of thing. Right. We could debate it for massive. I can, I can do the debate from manufacturer to assembler, and he can do gunsmith to gun assembler. So exactly. Yeah. So, all right, brother. Well, I really appreciate it, man. Guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to our uh, Cheap Therapy podcast. Uh, this is uh, season two now, so we're we're kind of diverging a little bit more differently to the entrepreneurial side towards the sort of manlyhood uh, veteran veteran slash firearm side. You know, the second the second season of the podcast has definitely gone in a way cooler direction, I think, and I really enjoy it. So guys, thank you so much for listening to the Cheap Therapy Podcast. And as always, uh, stay groovy.